Being the Worst, Episode 33, recorded Saturday, July 6th, 2013. From beingtheworst.com, it's the Being the Worst podcast. Audio apprenticeships for the aspiring software craftsman. With your hosts, Carrie Street and Renat Abdulid. In this episode, Carrie and Renat return from their summer break to discuss their initial explorations into client-side development. This episode, and the two episodes after it, cover a two-month period in which Renat and Carrie went off to write some new client code for their Getting Things Done sample project. They start this three-part spike with a simple WinForms client and end with the beginnings of their cross-platform mobile application. And now, finally, here are Carrie and Renat. Renat, so in the last episode, we one of our questions led us into uh, sort of needing to just get something on the screen in a hacky way. And you went off in the last few days and actually started working on the Getting Things Done project again. And there's a new branch in there. And we're going to go through that today, right? Yeah, sure. Well, and actually, uh, this was a separate branch for a quick research project trying to get a Windows Forms client done. Mm-hmm. But when the episode comes together and when it gets published, it will be part of the master branch. Okay, cool. And that new stuff's going to be right now, it's in the gtd.client project, right? Exactly. All right, cool. Okay, uh, so uh, let's start by actually launching gtd.client. That's a Windows Forms application. And so since this solution has multiple projects that can be executed, it currently has both the console and Windows Forms. So you need to either launch it by right-clicking it, going to debug and uh, doing start new instance, Mm -hmm. or we can set it as a startup project. It's in the right-click menu. And then hit F5 to start the Windows client. Okay, doing the debug approach now, and it's launched up, and I got a beautiful Windows Form application launched up with some very familiar words that I've seen in our domain before. Absolutely. Although I was uh, hacking on the code without any design, uh, referring to the technical design, uh, referring to the reuse of common design patterns, I was still following the domain model that we already built. Mm -hmm. And this uh, Windows Forms client is just a mere interaction layer between the human and the domain model that we have. Mm-hmm. Although I think I was able to plug in a few relatively cool ideas in there. Cool. Yeah. So currently this UI is really limited in what it can do. So we can only capture thoughts or we can define projects. We can move thoughts to specific projects. And I think we can, um, yeah, we can archive thoughts and we can mark thoughts as completed. Okay. And let's first try to use this functionality, and then I'll give a quick tour to how this works behind the scenes. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so uh, currently the UI looks relatively simple. We have the menu bar with two menu actions. We have a navbar navigation panel on the left, and we have some main panel on the right. The log window at the bottom is just like kind of subscriber to the main event loop in the application. So whenever an action goes or whenever an event is published in the system, it will be displayed uh, down there below. Okay. Uh, it helps with debugging purposes as usually and it helps to visualize what happens in the system. So uh, you can click on capture mm-hmm. or capture thought. Okay. So there'll be a new window saying capture new thought. Yep. So let's start typing something like publish the episode. Okay. Hit enter. Okay, so uh, now we have... Uh, main panel view changes and we have now the inbox view where there is one uh, thought hanging, publish the episode. Yep. 
And also on the left side, there is like the nav panel actually changed and it shows that there is one thought in the inbox. Yep. And actually, if we uh, look at the log window below, we'll see following actions. Capture thought clicked. Actually, UI, capture thought clicked. Mm-hmm. UI, capture thought wizard completed. And then a common GTD com- events, trusted system created. Mm-hmm. Thought captured. Yep. Okay, let's do a little bit more. So let's capture one more thought. All right. Tell your friends <laughs> about being the worst podcast. Yep. And actually, let's define a project saying learn more about iOS development. Okay. And uh, that's by uh, clicking the define project button in the menu. Absolutely. Right? Okay. Yes. Right. Okay. And switch to the learn more about iOS development project. Mm-hmm. It shows up in the navbar. And as you can see, when you're switching to the project in the node in the navbar, it's actually updates the main view. Yes. Let's go to the inbox. Mm-hmm. Select both thoughts from the inbox. Okay. And move them uh, to the iOS project. The move drop down list in the uh, view. Yes. Yeah. Move to, yep. And I got a list of all my projects and I switched them. Yep. So now I those got moved and now I see the inbox saying, it appears that you have no thoughts in your inbox. Capture one now. That's because we just moved them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And if we switch to back to the project, there are like two thoughts which are actionable right now. Yep. Okay, and let's do one more thing. Just shut down the, the application mm-hmm. all by closing it and then launch it again. All right. So we are back again to the usual view. We have the inbox and we have the project with the two thoughts. Yes. And so actually the persistence and the domain logic are uh, implemented using the good old trusted uh, system aggregate. Mm-hmm. And it persists to the same old event store that was used to persist for the console. Oh, okay. Okay, so only stuff that I've added, it's the Windows Forms host that uses its own small in-memory message bus and that kind of wires together UI commands, like UI uh, elements, mm-hmm. with the logic that is triggered when the user interacts with these UI elements. And then sometimes this logic leads to the events that are actually wired directly to the trusted system aggregate. Okay. And actually the stuff that is displayed in the UI it's either fed by the events or by the projection. Okay. Uh, here, like, we don't refresh the entire UI every time the, something changes. What instead we do is, like, when the Windows control view uh, loads for the first time, it pulls the latest state of the domain model from the projection. Okay. And then it starts subscribing to all new events, and it stays updated as new events come through. Hmm. This was because initially I treated uh, UI controls as projections. And so uh, basically they were updating themselves when new events were coming in. So when you were restarted the system after like doing some stuff before, it was funny to see like how it, the entire history was rapidly replaying through the UI, <laughs> all flickering. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Although it's still possible to do that. Cool. It was really fast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, one additional thing like to notice, for example, if when you switch between uh, inbox node and uh, the project node, mm-hmm. like the menu actually changes too. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. So while I was building this hacky prototype, which, which was actually turning quite good, I was trying to make it's kind of like a collection of services which are relatively independent and that uh, happen to interact with the same UI, but they can be developed independently and they communicate through the messages. Okay. So you can perceive that as a services in a distributed system or you can perceive that as a services, for example, in highly scalable 
application built uh, using set approach. Hmm. We used to talk about the set approach as staged event-driven architecture with regards to Greg's event storage. Right. The funny part is that this Windows Forms application uses the same infrastructure, the same in-memory bus, the same kind of uh, somewhat sequencing of events that Event Store uses. Hmm. So underneath said design pattern was one of the patterns that emerged within this application when I was building it. Oh, okay. And actually, the additional things that we might be learning about how build independent controls and make them interact with each other, uh, make them kind of reuse each other's functionality while talking to each other through the messages, it kind of would be a parallel to how you would build actors or just simple uh, independent aggregates or services in a business distributed system while making them independent and still capable of leveraging each other. Yes, when I was looking at this briefly, because I realized it was sort of like a hacky spike, as I was digging around, you could see that it started to evolve into some kind of more formal design that wasn't just putting a bunch of code behind and a bunch of Windows Forms buttons and things. Like I saw some of those things about the message bus and some other things, uh, some state machine or something that I still don't understand. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to probably tell me about. But I realized that there's something cool going on here that seems very related to what we do on the server side, but I'm not exactly sure mm-hmm. what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, let's dig into the program.cs file, which is located within gtd.client project. Okay. So basically just start reading through the main method. So here, like the first two lines, application enable visual styles and set compatible text rendering default. It's like Windows Forms specific stuff. Visual Studio plugs it in the beginning of every Windows Forms application. Mm-hmm. And then we actually start setting up our infrastructure. First, we set up in-memory bus. In-memory bus is somewhat similar to the kind of projection host in local secure library. It's basically a class which has one entry point where uh, you send messages in. So you can wire classes to receive specific messages of this bus. So basically, it's something like publish-subscribe class. Okay. You can have a class that will subscribe to, uh, all, uh, in- to the messages it is interested in, and the in-memory bus will dispatch that. Oh, okay. Like, this dispatch happens completely in-memory. I see. Okay, then we, uh, the next line is we set up our uh, file appendable storage, and with serialization stuff called message storage on top of that, Okay. And is that stuff that you just pulled out of Locad or something? Or? It's the stuff that I pulled out from the GTD console. Oh, okay. So in memory bus, uh, it's actually copied from uh, Greg's event storage. Oh. File event only storage and message storage, it comes from the our previous code. All right. App event store, it's uh, almost the same event storage that we used to have. Okay. App controller, it's just kind of the main loop. Now, is the app event store here where this... It's the event store. It's an event store, but it's it's separate from the server one. Uh, well, the code is uh, almost absolutely the same. Right, but conceptually, it, it, it is its own repository of data. Yes. Got it. Yes. Okay. So if we were to make it into a occasionally connected client, uh, that's something that I would love to do. That would be a local event storage. And then there will be some code that will occasionally synchronize this event storage with server-side storage. Yeah, cool. All right, sweet. So we do have, in this one solution that we have now, we do have the concept of a, a server-side event store and a client-side event store. Yeah. So uh, if we were to start a server, that would mean that we would uh, run like a Windows service somewhere on the cloud server, and we'll have multiple clients connecting to that server. Okay. Currently, this client works with a local file storage, and it doesn't have any remote capabilities. All right. Okay. Then we have uh, application controller. Uh, basically, it's uh, the main 
controller, it determines which messages are handled and which are not. Okay. I don't really have clear explanation of uh, what's the conceptual place of the application controller. Okay. Except for the part that it's the class that controls the main message loop. Uh, the reason why I don't have a clear explanation of that because I uh, kind of stole, borrowed a concept <laughs> from uh, Greg's event storage. I we already use that in, for example, in Locat data platform project, mm-hmm. which is used to store event streams which are gigabytes large, and I was able to successfully use that in this project. But I still have a hard time explaining its purpose. Okay, so right now it's just a black box piece of the infrastructure for us. It's uh, the bl- black box uh, piece of infrastructure that subscribes uh, to all messages that go from the bus, and that uh, determines how to handle them. Okay, uh, so basically, uh, we have a kind of structure in memory for which all events go. Okay. Uh, And we have, like, these events, they are not always the domain events that we have defined for our domain system, for our trust system aggregate. Some of them uh, are just pure in memory, like uh, capture thought clicked. Oh, okay. So in this particular case, this bus cares about the broader definition of a, quote, event. It includes, it, like, the visual events and everything. Yeah, so uh, there, these are still uh, event messages. And uh, domain event messages go for this bus or, like, system event messages go for this bus. These are dif- just different events that belong to different contexts. Uh, kind of, if we think about this application uh, from the con- conceptual level, uh, we have a queue, which is a memory queue. Mm-hmm. So uh, whenever somebody uh, does something, uh, when they publish an event, it, uh, this event goes to the queue, where events are accumulated. Uh, till uh, there is some code that is capable of, like, uh, uh, till some code picks these events one by one and processes them. Right. So let me stop you there for one second. So without doing any of this, if, like if we didn't know anything about anything we've ever talked about, people would normally associate the word event with click, 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 double click, double mm-hmm. click, click, click. So are we throwing all those raw system events in there or have you like domainized them somehow, like consolidated? Uh, yes, I, uh, yes, I did uh, kind of t- classical uh, .NET events are kind of uh, delegates. Uh-huh. And you can uh, like a control, uh, like button, it exposes a lot of these delegates that you can subscribe to. Okay. Like button clicked, button uh, highlighted, I don't know, mou- uh, mouse moved over, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Uh, although we don't care about these uh, lightweight uh, delegates and they're kind of messy, instead, when we need something, when we need to publish an event, we just subscribe to this specific delegate, and when the button is clicked, we send a message to our event system. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, but are we kind of wrapping those for the only ones we care about into this new form of things that we yes. want to observe? Okay. So yes. got it. Yes. I got it. Okay. So this is a way uh, where we define system or domain events that we care about and send them into the bus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And, uh, and conceptually, like at the core of the application, we have a queue, which kind of uh, serves as a way to collect all the events as they come in mm-hmm. or synchronize them. Uh, and then there is one class that drinks from this queue. So every event that goes into this uh, into the infrastructure, first it goes to the queue. Mm-hmm. So if you have two, so many events that the system can't process them within that one thread, they'll be accumulated. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the processing class will actually deal with them one by one. Application con- controller is actually the class for which each single event goes through. Got it. And then application controller uh, might, basing on the type of the event and the current state, determine what to do with the event. It can uh, let the event go uh, go through, 
or it can uh, invoke certain logic. Got it. Uh, and then at the end of the processing, for the events for which it chose to go through, these events go into the in-memory bus. And in the, uh, the in-memory bus, it's the place where all other controls can subscribe to. Okay, so app controller is sort of our event firewall, and it, it filters out the crap we don't care about, and the stuff we do care about, it lets it go to the bus, and the stuff that the application cares about really is looking at the bus for the th- events that we've already said we care about, sort of. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, uh, and also how it's done, for example, in Greg's event storage, uh, they have their node controller, and this node controller might have different states. Like uh, when the system is starting, the node controller would be uh, telling that when node is starting, if there is a request to write to the storage, we might discard that. Mm-hmm. Because we, uh, like the system hasn't uh, finished starting up, uh, maybe it uh, hasn't finished scanning through the, our append-only storage, uh, maybe f- checking for the consistency, maybe the indexes are not up-to-date yet, etc., etc. So we discard that. Mm-hmm. So app controller, application controller might have different states. And based on the different states of the system, it might decide that some events go through or uh, for some events we have different handling. Ah, okay. That's what the state machine's for. Okay. Yes. Uh, State machine is just a convenient way to express these conditions. Uh, Currently, we don't have that many states. Mm -hmm. And I might actually throw out this uh, state machine as a premature optimization. Uh, But long story short, uh, what I want to do a bit later is to add uh, synchronization capability. Okay. And when system is synchronizing, it might be a slightly different state from the when system is running normally or, the, or when the system is loading. But because the app controller, all things go through it, if you, if you have the state machine in there, mm-hmm. but basically all the stuff's coming in and the app controller gets to say like, well, I, I'm in the state of confusion or I'm, I'm busy right now, go away, ignore, ignore. And then when I switch to the state of, okay, I can handle that, that, that tells you to, you can actually process that event. Absolutely. All right, cool. Awesome. Love it. Actually, state machine is just a clean uh, way to express this kind of logic. When we're in this state, when something happens, do that. Got it. Okay. And then, so uh, when we're here we set up our app application event storage, we set up our app application controller. So uh, when it decides to publish something, it uh, publishes that to the in-memory bus, and the in-memory bus is actually the place where all interested subscribers can plug into. Got it. And so uh, a controller or a service in this uh, ecosystem would usually take uh, at least two parameters. It would take main queue and the bus. Main queue is the place where it would send events. Bus is the place where it would subscribe to, to get uh, events from the system. Mm-hmm. And if we scroll down into the system, for example, let's see capture thought controller that wire. Uh, what line is that? 59 in the app controller. Program.cs. Oh, Program.cs, okay. Okay, CaptureThoughtController.wire, I got it. Okay, the idea here was to enable writing components or UI elements in kind of separated manner, Mm -hmm. that you can develop new functionality independently and that it will sit in its own kind of sandbox and you'd be able to to keep on cranking new stuff without affecting everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and event-centric approach is one of the nicest approaches to building plugin systems simply because it has services and contracts which are linked to behaviors. In our case, these are events. Mm-hmm. So our capture thought controller, all it knows is that first it gets a view it controls. In this case, it's capture thought form. <laughs> 
and then it has uh, two other injection points. It's the bus and the main queue. I see. So if we go to the uh, wire method. Yep. If you're using ReSharper, there should be a quick shortcut for the nav- Navigate 2. At least in my keyboard schema that I'm using, it's uh, IntelliIdea IDEA mm-hmm. keyboard schema. That's Control b Okay. By the way, congratulations on getting ReSharper. Well, thank you. And now I, had, now I need to install it on this laptop that I use for the podcast. <laughs> okay. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. And in, thanks for the tips, because as we go along, I will actually install it and try to be following mm-hmm. along. Right now, the, the only problem is I, I never really got super advanced with the built-in Visual Studio stuff, mm-hmm. so I don't really know if I'm looking at a feature that's stock or add-on from ReSharper. <laughs> so anyway. Okay, uh, so Capture Thought Form, it's actually uh, this small uh, pop-up window mm-hmm. or dialog that asks you for the thought contents. And then when you click uh, Capture, it actually like uh, invokes some other behaviors. Right. So if you click on Capture Thought from .cs, it will show up uh, the actual UI. Mm-hmm. And if you click on the Capture Thought Controller, it's actually the logic that wires this uh, UI to the infrastructure. And so uh, this controller is the piece that kind of links together the UI, the presentation layer. Yes. And actually, the kind of domain model of the application. Well, you know, MVVM kind of a lingo. If this is the thing that is listening for specific events and telling mm-hmm. the view what to do, this would kind of be like a view model. Yes. Okay, cool. Although in our case, the model is partially represented with events. Got it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, uh, so uh, the static method wire, it's actually, it creates new instance of the capture flood controller. Mm-hmm. And it actually tells the bus to subscribe the controller to capture thought clicked events. Oh, that source dot subscribe to UI captured thought clicked controller because that's how I think about it. So that's how I would prefer to write it. So, oh well, here all credit goes uh, to actual to Greg. Yeah. That's exactly his uh, pipes and filters approach. Ah. and that's the, exactly the syntax that you would see if you go into the source of event storage. So uh, that's the same stuff. Cool. Although here we're abusing their approach not for, <laughs> the, for building uh, high-load systems, but for building our UI in somewhat decoupled form. Yeah, cool. I like it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, uh, so uh, basically, uh, this line tells that whenever a capture thought clicked shows up on the bus, it will lead to a method called handle capture thought clicked. Uh, I see the it's handle the method there. Below. Yeah, I yes. see the method below, but how does... It- how to, where are we telling it to call that handle method? So uh, basically in the subscribe line, uh-huh. we're actually configuring our handler in such a way that uh, whenever this event shows up in the source, mm-hmm. uh, the method uh, below would, would be invoked. Well, right, but I, I don't see the word handle referenced anywhere, so I guess why I'm confused. Like where the- <laughs> oh, actually it goes for the, uh, basically the syntax of the subscribe method. Uh-huh. Uh, it takes not the controller itself. It takes the class that implements uh, interface I handle. Ah, okay. And this uh, so capture thought controller currently implements only one method or one interface called I handle capture thought clicked. I see. And so uh, based on this uh, method signature, it's actually uh, the wiring will know that we should implement the call the handle method. Cool. That makes sense. Okay. Okay, and then uh, when this uh, capture thought clicked message arrives. We tell the form to try get user input. Yep. And the parameter being the callback that would be executed if the input is acquired. (laughs) 
Cool. It's kind of a lazy way to do futures. Yeah, but it sounds like it's promises and all that kind of stuff. Like just yes, callback, yes. callback, promises, features, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, cool. So it's something that where you can define what to do with the result uh, long before the result is, has arrived. And if you don't get a result, that that thing and the stuff in the parentheses doesn't get called. Yes. I've heard people call that syntax there the Anders operator or whatever, like the uh, the equals greater than. It's a lambda. Yeah, that's a uh, lambda. Yeah. Yes, yeah, lambda syntax. Yeah, lambda syntax. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so one thing I would advise go so uh, go to form dot try get user input. Okay. It's capture thought form. So if you are using a uh, resharper on this, uh, and if you are installed IntelliJ idea schema, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, if you position the keyboard like the cursor on try get user input and then hit control B, you'd be immediately on that method. Got it. Cool. And then okay. yep. And that's for those that are not, that's in gtd.client.captureThoughtform.cs. Mm-hmm. Yep. In line 17 okay. currently. Yeah. Uh, so uh, parent.sync is actually a way to what's the word avoid cross UI thread calls. Because uh, in Windows Forms you can't actually tr- access control from a thought thread different from the thread like on which it was created. Right. And actually, like this sync method, it actually tells, it's a quick uh, and lazy extension method, and it tells that execute everything, uh, like all the code within the Lambda, on the thread of the control. I see. What if multiple controls try to do that at the same time? They'll be sequenced. Underneath the hood, it calls invoke. Ah, okay. Uh, and invokes is native Windows form stuff. Yeah, and it just handles it. Mm-hmm. Cool. And since uh, basically everything is invoked on a single thread, so that means that no more than one line of code or uh, one thread of execution can be executed at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so here we in, uh, within the control thread, we first clean up, clear up the text, maybe because it was like filled up from the previous entry. Then we ask uh, if we show dialog, if we show the Windows forms as a, as a dialog, as a model dialog. Mm-hmm. If the dialog result is not okay, then we quit. Mm-hmm. If the result is okay, meaning that the user was able to click on the capture button, and the capture button has a property, Windows Forms property associated with that called dialog result okay. Mm-hmm. And within the pro- of the logic of the form, I actually code it in such a way that user is not able to click on this button if the text field is empty. Okay. Basically, that's Windows Form specific stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the long story short is that if the user filled up the form and he clicked OK, then we'll get the text and we'll actually call uh, this uh, callback. And the callback will actually result in enqueuing event called capture thought wizard completed. Oh, okay. Futures the callback. Okay, got it. That, mm-hmm. that lambda you passed in to try get user input, you called it future as the, inside of the uh, parameter. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, you actually call that method handing it back the text. Cool. Cool, mm-hmm. cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And the idea here is actually this capture thought controller Although it's linked to the capture thought form, basically it can be linked not, not to the specific form of the implementation, but to the interface. The interface would be I capture thought form. And this I capture thought form would have only uh, one method on the interface called try get user input hmm. with these parameters. The idea here is that we can have controller uh, written once and we can have multiple form implementation. For example, one implementation written in Windows Forms the other implementation written in WPF. And WPF implementation would use its own like logic to maybe through the, the data binding or whatever to somehow display this form to the user and grab user's feedback. Right. And Windows Forms has its own way. 
or maybe we use some uh, Xamarin stuff. Got it. Uh, the idea here uh, that I was trying to approach, and uh, these concepts are partially stolen from composite application blocks of uh, Microsoft, it's to kind of enable decoupling between the controllers and the UIs. Right. Okay, and so uh, we quickly went through the capture thought controller and the form it is associated with. Mm-hmm. I guess you can call capture thought form as a view. Yes. Capture thought controller as a view model. Mm-hmm. Although the, I believe the name in this terminology view model is highly confusing <laughs> because it's not a view model. It's kind of it's model of a view or it's kind of presenter of a view or controller of a view. It's a logic that is responsible for displaying stuff on the view. Yeah, displaying and telling the view what to do, right? It's controlling yes. the view. Yeah. So it's a model of a view. Yeah. And uh, our events or maybe services, uh, data from, that we pull from the services, it's our model. Mm-hmm. Okay, according to this style of code, we have multiple uh, controllers and linked views. We have capture thought controller, we have defined project controller, we have a- actually inbox controller. Inbox controller, it represents the panel that shows up when we selected inbox node on the navigation panel. We have main form controller, uh, we have navigation controller and navigation view. So navigation view is actually a tree view that is displayed on the left. And the mm-hmm. navigation controller is actually the controller that is responsible for uh, populating this view, keeping this view updated. And then we have uh, navigation view and uh, well, another project view. Mm-hmm. So kind of I tried to break down uh, this relatively complicated UI into set of standalone controllers and make them talk to each other through the events. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, one of, for example, by default, if I was coding that, uh, in the code behind of a single uh, uh, main form, Windows form, uh, it would get messy. Like all the event subscriptions and an event subscription would say, if this control is in this state, then do that. If this control is in this state, then do that. It right. can get messy. Yes. And with this kind of event-driven separation, I was able to cleanly achieve, for example, logic that says, if the inbox is selected, then we deploy only two menu items. Capture thought and define project. But if the project is displayed, then we actually display additional menu item called go to inbox. Where's that at? Let's go look at that real quick. Well, like, where did you actually implement that logic? Currently, it's part of the main form controller. Uh-huh. So uh, go to the main form controller and go to the uh, lowest handle methods. Okay. And one handle method says when inbox displayed, we main form show inbox menu. I see. Uh, when project displayed, then we show a project menu. <laughs> Simple stuff. Yeah. So uh, basically, our controllers, partially what they do, they augment Windows Form-specific uh, events, which are really chatty. They tell everything well, what happens in the controls life. Right. With the events specific to the context of this client application. Yeah, that's great. Uh, this context, or uh, it's about inbox being displayed, project being displayed, application being loaded, application being initialized, Etc. Etc. Or, mm-hmm. and technically, it would be possible to kind of take this domain model that we're building here. So this is kind of a second context. It's presentation context, and maybe we can reuse some of the interactions if we were to build HTML application, mm-hmm. where there is like a single page HTML application, <laughs> which is completely event driven. When there is one single loop that processes all events, mm-hmm. 
where, for example, we have a specific panel that displays UI or that displays uh, navigation options and that kind of subscribes to all the other controls. Yes. Uh, I heard that's how people are actually started doing single page applications in HTML with like all this HTML5 stuff. Yes. And I heard that people are actually doing the single message loop there. And that's what we're doing here as well. Yes, I just started diving into to that universe, you know, which things you can pull out there together to sort of give yourself a WPF view, view model kind of feel like you're, you know, you're, you don't need to take a shower after you're done developing. Like you feel like mm-hmm. you're doing well web development using sort of some patterns that seem to make sense mm-hmm. to keep it clear. And it's all looking very similar to what this client's doing, but I don't know how I would be able to reuse the stuff we have here with the stuff over there because it's using all these different JavaScript libraries. So it'll be interesting mm-hmm. when I try to smash them together, the conversations mm-hmm. that we'll be able to have. Where can these things actually play with each other or do they have to remain completely isolated? You know, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. So it's cool. Okay. So that was quick uh, kind of rush overview into the functionality that we have been implemented. Mm-hmm. For this code base, I guess uh, one thing we can experiment with is actually implementing multiple features in parallel. Uh, that should be interesting. For example, uh, here we have the capability to mark thoughts as... So if, we, if you go to the project view, mm-hmm. so uh, I suggest to start the application. Okay. And switch to the project, uh, learn more about the iOS development. Uh, okay. And so there is a small checkbox by the action. Yes. So uh, currently you can mark this thing as completed. Mm-hmm. However, like the unmark thing, it doesn't work properly. So it will be unmarked, but nothing will actually be happening behind the scenes. The system will still know that the action is uh, marked. Simply because we haven't actually implemented in our domain logic something that uh, like handle the case where somebody marks the action as non-completed. Right, they uncheck it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So in the, our domain logic, we have a complete action, but we don't have a revert completion state or something like this. Right, just kidding, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, for example, the feature that you could take mm-hmm. is uh, to implement the uncomplete stuff in the domain model, in the trusted system aggregate, mm-hmm. and then actually wire it with the system view. Mm-hmm. The system view is being the projection, like it's the project state uh, to the in-memory class, similar to what the stuff that we had in the console. Mm-hmm. So basically that uh, the action being marked as non-completed would be propagated there, and then that it would actually go uh, all the way to the UI. Mm-hmm. And also to make sure that whenever somebody unchecks the, the checkbox, that it would actually invoke the changes in the domain model. In the way it works right now, when I hit the checkbox, it's, it, is it, has it already become too late? Like the domain event of completed has already been fired, so I, I do have to have a new domain event to, re- un, to unfire it, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I guess what I was asking really was the GUI is is directly wired to take immediate effect on the domain model. There's not like a buffer that that lets you like uncheck this checkbox and then finally commit because there's no like save. It's just whatever I'm doing, it's happening. And if I want to undo it, I need to have another event to undo it. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Got and we, if we were to implement a occasional connect system, what I would do, be doing in the background is trying to stay up in the sync with the server. And as soon as somebody uh, does a change, then the change would be immediately propagated to the servers. I see. If we have the connection. If we don't have the connection, we'll be waiting until the connection shows up back. 
Yeah, for the stuff we've defined that we care about, we could instrument everything the user is actually doing. So you could even take those events and see that you have like a UI design problem because users are confused because they keep clicking this thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's cool. And the feature that I plan to take on, it's kind of uh, a bit cross-cutting and affects the entire UI. It's uh, implementing the filters for the actions. So uh, currently, like we uh, remember, in the console we defined the filter next, Mm -hmm. available remaining all actions. Yeah, the stuff that you have in the right-hand corner of the GUI today. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and it's marked as work in progress, so it's not done. It's not worried to anything. And cool. so basically, we can try to uh, get these uh, features done, and then uh, like share how this actually works for us. Now, one thing that came to mind when I was looking at it, and uh, probably is relevant to cover quickly here, just uh, is so now that we start implementing these clients, you start to understand and appreciate how kind of important it is to sort of settle down on the domain name changes and the event changes. Mm-hmm. And an example of that was uh, there was a conversation going on on the site about uh, some of the naming stuff still, and we never we never really changed anything because we were still in that phase of. You know, we're not impacting many clients right now. We could still change these words if we needed to. And one of them, Mm -hmm. so I'm going to go back and look at that. And one of them was something about the difference between archiving a thought versus dismissing it and stuff like that. And so who knows Mm -hmm. if we're going to do that. But let's say that, oh, no, momentum's picking up. We're now implementing multiple clients and taking stronger dependencies on this language. What would Mm -hmm. I have to do if I wanted to change a domain word now? Or what if I changed a word on you right now and say, I don't want it to be called archive i want it to be called dismiss like i blow everything up now <laughs> you know what i mean mm-hmm. well uh what i would do is actually change the logic in the code mm-hmm. the naming in the code how it looks like to the developers although in the contract section i would make sure that it will be mapped to the uh, old version of the event oh okay okay so once so basically- you go down that road you sort of uh, my perception of what your recommendation is is that you try to settle in on your language, and if five months later, a year later, you start adding new words or changing words, the underlying model, you really kind of just leave it alone. You don't really ever get to lose that word again. Well, it will actually depend, because there are multiple upgrade and versioning strategies, and sometimes we can actually gradually migrate all users to the new language and then can completely dismiss the old words. Mm-hmm. It'll, uh, so the answer is it will depend on how many users you have, what is your deployment strategy, what is your versioning strategy. I guess we can discuss it in one of the later episodes. Okay, cool. Yeah, because it depends on, like right now, it's not that painful to change one word because we don't have a ton going on. But if this was two mm-hmm. years from now, you might say, dude, we're not going to go change a thousand lines of code right now or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I think that'll wrap up. I, I'm excited that I have homework again and mm-hmm. uh, I'll go try to do it. Until then, we are at beingtheworst.com. Please leave your feedback, comments, questions there. And we are at beingtheworst on Twitter. I am at KC Street, and Renat is at Abdulin. Last call, buddy. Anything else? Uh, okay, folks. Just If you enjoyed the podcast, just go into the code, see how it works for you. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to ping us on Twitter or in the comments for the episode. I look forward to Renat getting hammered about how over-engineered this spike is and how ridiculous from a Windows Forms. Why did you use Windows Forms? You know, blah, blah, blah. It'll be interesting to see uh, how gentle or the firing squad that you receive for having this uh, design. Because I like it, but they're going to probably tell us we're crazy and, you know, do code behind. You guys are idiots or something. So we'll see. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right, dude. Till next time. We'll talk to you guys later. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.